0: All right. Last night, I fit the time in, uh, chatted with Dr. Lucy McBride from Washington, D.C. Um, this is about 15 minutes long. I think it's 15 really good minutes. We chatted for 35. Like, she's got information to give, guidance to give, and uh, and it's not just for parents. It's far from being just for parents here. I started off our chat, and we've had several of them uh, during this pandemic. I think she's such a valuable source of information, and we started by talking about the inherent risk of COVID moving An endemic phase here. Parents are worried. Parents want guarantees. Their guarantees we can't give them right now necessarily. This is our conversation.
1: Everything we do in life, every behavior we have carries risk. Our relationship to alcohol, our relationship to food, the way we move, the way we work, the way we sleep or not sleep, you know, all those things affect our health. So there's never been a role for absolutism in medicine doctor's job and my job in particular as a primary care doctor is to help people understand the risks they face, understand their unique vulnerabilities, and then mitigate those risks to the extent that is possible. And in the case of COVID-19, a virus that is now very much able to be controlled with the vaccine, we have to understand that once you've been vaccinated, you've done the very best thing you can for yourself, your family, and your community to protect from COVID, Mm -hmm. Um, but COVID isn't going away. It is going to be here. It is going to be endemic like the other four coronaviruses like flu, like RSV. And it's inevitable that at some point we will all be exposed to the virus. We won't all get COVID, many of us will, but if you've been vaccinated, you've, you've really done the best job you can to protect yourself. And so right now, as I talked about in this article, we are at the phase that I'm calling the acceptance phase of the pandemic. We need to take a hard look at what we can change and work on those things, like get vaccinated if you haven't been vaccinated, you know, take care of your underlying health conditions, re, you know, remember that health is more than just not getting COVID, and then accept the things we can't control, like other people or the fact that coronavirus is here to stay, and then know the difference and get a guide, get a doctor, find some source of wisdom to help you navigate uncertain times, which is basically the the definition of life.
0: I don't know how much it was happening in the United States, Dr. McBride, but what was happening up here is people were professing the concept of of covid zero eradicating the virus. And and that's maybe December 2020, January 2021. And uh, and I've been you know, who hasn't been wrong about things we could, you know, underrate ventilation or or not see. Uh, The Delta variant coming when we were actually, you know, kind of puffing our chests out in April and May going, well, you know, with this current with COVID classic, as it were, this won't be so bad. Delta certainly moved some goalposts and changed the game. Absolutely. It did. When when COVID zero was sort of profligated out there and mentioned, did you think at the time? This is rather like we're not New Zealand. We can't we can't make these efforts. And we've even seen New Zealand give up on this in the last two weeks. What did you think at the time when people said, well, we'll be able to stamp this right out to the point of non-existence?
1: I mean, I'll be honest, I thought we could do a lot better than we have done. You know, I didn't think the COVID zero was possible because like you know, so many viruses, you know, that would be like putting toothpaste back in the tube. We have too heterogeneous of a population in the United States. We have politicized the pandemic. We've had not great uptake of the vaccine, despite the extraordinary safety and efficacy profile. And you know, even though it looks like we were going to do pretty well with these vaccines back in December, January, February, you know, then came along Delta, this highly contagious variant. People are getting breakthrough infections. You know, it, it became more and more abundantly clear to the general public what those of us in science and public health and medicine have been thinking all along, which is that this is not ever going to go away. All we can do is mitigate the risks, protect our ourselves, our families, our communities the best we can with vaccination, and then we need to recalibrate our risk ages, which have been thrown out of whack.
0: There's two. Uh, there's two things also I think about regularly, and one is that politicians have certainly stumped uh, in you know in your country, in my country, um, Western European leaders have often used the phrase "now this is now a pandemic of the unvaccinated," and while that's true with hospitalizations and ICUs, again, with with no absolutes uh, being considered, most of of those bad outcomes are occurring to unvaccinated people. They are. That's the data. But I often think it's also for parents. I think it's also a vax like it. We've got two different pandemics happening with fully vaccinated households um your kids are older like mine are and non-vaccinated households with parents itching to get a 10-year-old vaccinated itching to get even an eight-year-old vaccinated so they can see grandpa and grandma so they can go on a trip so they can go uh to a you know playoff baseball game or a college football game Do you see that, um, you know, in your community as I do, that if anything, and I'll say this also, some parents see the end of the runway for their kids being at home. Some parents, I've only got five years and three years left, respectively, with my kids. My perspective on let's go might be a lot differently than people who have a four-year-old and two-year-old. And as you remember those years, right, parenting seems interminable. This is going to go on forever. And you realize when you get to our stage, it doesn't.
1: That's right. I mean, the first thing you said is such an important point, the The language that has been tossed around the, the, the pandemic of the unvaccinated, the facts are the facts. Most people in the hospital right now with COVID-19 are unvaccinated, not immune. But I don't love that language because as you, I think, agree, it makes it sound like a us and them kind of a battle, like the Crips and the Bloods or something. When the truth of the matter is, as you and I both know, natural immunity does count, whether it's as robust and durable as Vaccine-induced immunity—it um, depends on the person, and we we have more study on that coming. Um, but you know, I think one of the problems we've had in the public health space, particularly in the United States, is this sort of shaming and blaming of people who aren't willing or are hesitant about vaccination. And we've created this sort of you know basket of the deplorables kind of language that has then further kept people from getting vaccinated. Um, which, is, which is not good. right? The, the, the way for me as a primary care doctor, for example, to, to help people get the treatment they need if they're hesitant is to provide a safe non-judgmental space and to not judge and shame for making a decision that I wouldn't make and to help them get the, to the facts. Parents of little kids are perfectly entitled to be more cautious than parents like you and me, whose kids are vaccinated. At the same time, I think some of the fear and anxiety, which is, of course, normal and rational, is stoked by media reports suggesting that there's this, you know, deadly, worse, you know, version of coronavirus called Delta, which actually is, is not more virulent in kids. It's just infecting more kids, and tragically so. So what's my point? I guess my point is that, you know, one of the things that I see in my patients who have younger kids is this sort of fear and um, anxiety that's, that sometimes out of proportion to the facts about Delta at the expense of their ability to let their kids do the things they need to do to be healthy in other ways, like get outside and exercise with their kids and socialize. But again, who am I to judge? I mean, this is not mm-hmm. my, like, I'm not here to judge parents. I'm here to help them get to the facts so then they can care for their kids as the in the, in the ways they think is appropriate. But I did, I did write a piece in The Atlantic um, Earlier this, uh, I did write a piece in the Atlantic earlier this summer about about kids and Delta, and you know it's tricky. It's a tricky landscape, like like anything is right now. Talking about kids and risk, because as I said earlier, people are entitled to different risk tolerances. Um, but we also I think should agree that you know mental health is health, and kids have suffered extraordinary losses, social, emotional, learning losses. Um, and I worry about this generation of kids, mm-hmm. um, whether they're teenagers or four-year-olds, being locked down and restricted in terms of their activities.
0: Dr. Lucy McBride joining us on Toronto today on Global News Radio six forty Toronto. Her latest is in the Atlantic. I was going to ask you. You write something. Uh, no human contact is risk free. No vaccine is perfect. That we can and we can never guarantee safety in life. When I watch, say, sporting events or I see people gathering. Um, and I know people do this in Canada. They're like, look at the States, look at, look at the, what the Americans are doing. And there's an element of envy. And then there's an element of, and that was happening earlier in the spring when things appeared more open, but there's, there's a bunch of different Americas. Like when I see, you know, Massachusetts is almost 70% fully vaccinated and there's still a bunch of States, Florida, Louisiana, West Virginia that are, are barely 40%. If I'm watching a sporting event, let's say I feel a lot better that in Fenway park, 70% 70% of people in Massachusetts are vaxxed and they require you to show that you've been vaccinated to get in. Whereas a wide open college football game in West Virginia with 40% where there's no proof of vaccination needed a little more harrowing. How do you feel when you see big crowds on TV at a live sporting event or a concert? Yeah, or things it's, like that now? it's
1: funny. My daughter and I were watching the Iowa football game together and you know, when the game was over and all the fans rushed into the middle <laughs> of the field and she looks at me and she's vaccinated and she's, she's almost 16. She was like, and she's pretty smart about this stuff. She was like, mom, remind me why I'm wearing a mask in my classroom when I'm vaccinated. And these, and she's not mad. She kind of wants to be at that game. She's just, she's <laughs> just pointing out this, you know, kind of cognitive dissonance, right. Between, you know, the sort of hypervigilance on the one hand, which is, you know, where we are in DC, which is, you know, in, 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 in many, many ways appropriate. Um, and then this sort of, um more laissez-faire attitude and it's just another example of the united states of america being very heterogeneous and why is so very difficult to message you know to a a a a huge country um, like the cdc is trying to do Um, but at the end of the day the path forward is through widespread vaccination and population immunity so People who have gotten infected by Delta, even though of course they didn't want to, and if, tragically some of them got very sick, but people who've been infected with Delta also have immunity that counts towards population immunity. And so we are going to get there, not to mention the fact that kids are gonna be eligible for the vaccine next month, most likely. And then, ta-da, we are going to get this oral antiviral mm-hmm. medication, Molnupiravir, whoever thought of that name is, you know,
0: Really something yeah. a lot, a lot uh, of, a lot of vowels there. That's a, a real special. Yeah.
1: Um, that's a game changer. That is going to mean that, you know, when you pair a rapid test, for example, and you get a quick diagnosis of COVID-19, whether you've been vaccinated or not, hopefully you've been vaccinated with a prescription from your doctor for an oral tablet to prevent mild COVID from becoming moderate, severe COVID. That is going to really change the landscape. So I am more and more optimistic about this thing, you know, becoming a controllable, manageable virus. You know, by early twenty twenty two, if not before. I mean, as you can see in the Iowa football game, some people have already moved on.
0: (laughs) A few have, yeah, yeah. Um, Natural immunity. um, It's now getting defined by some as uh, some people want to call it acquired immunity. Some people want to call it infected immunity. You talk about it. Uh, Monica Gandhi, who you mentioned, I think is brilliant. Uh, Dr. Gandhi, she talks about it. Dr. Scott Gottlieb, who I think is amazing. I love his book. He talks about it. Public health officials don't tend to talk about it. And I can assure you up here, I'll, I'll put um, ID specialists on. I'll put epidemi- uh, epidemiologists on. They'll talk about it. You're not going to hear politicians talk about it. You're not going to hear public health officials talk about it. What's the What's the theory? Just- what's the theory behind that? Is it that they're worried they'll slow down the vaccination rate and somebody will think, I'm strong, I work out, I will. I don't need the vaccine. Like, what is the theory behind why they don't talk about it? Because we all do and we all know it exists.
1: I mean, it's, it is kind of funny, right? Because it's, it's just a basic biological fact that when you are infected with a virus and you live, that immune response is meaningful. We don't know how long it's going to last. We don't know you know, how wide and deep it is, if it would you know, be protective a year, two years from now. But to ignore or deny natural immunity is really to deny a lot of people's lived experiences. And I think denying it is one of the reasons why we are fostering some anger and frustration towards public health institutions. My only hypothesis as to why it's being ignored by some CDC individuals and public health and politicians is because they're worried people will then think, oh, I can just get COVID and not get vaccinated um, or, you know, and, and the other, the, the legitimate reason is perhaps because, you know, I mean, getting vaccinated puts everyone on a level playing field. And certainly getting a vaccine, even after you've been infected, is probably a good idea. But ignoring the elephant in the room is eroding trust, I think.
0: Lucy, uh, Dr. Lucy McBride's latest is in the Atlantic. One more for you, and, and it's got to do with Thanksgiving. We just finished our holiday weekend, a quick three-day jaunt um Thanksgiving I I understand it too a lot of people will be like well I'm not I'm not you know staying home a second straight year I want to see my my family I want to get together for this that and the other thing and and a lot of the United States has returned to normal and in highly vaccinated communities and states it's certainly safer to do so um what do you think like the messaging from public health I I just don't know anymore whether that is being paid full attention to and this furthers our what we were just talking about what do you think it looks like? Do people just do what they want to do? Will Will a 76-year-old grandma be like, is everybody there going to be vaccinated, even though she is? Um, my mom's the same way. She's 76. She smoked for a bunch of years. Um, she doesn't want to hang out with anybody who's unvaccinated. Luckily, all her nephews and nieces, or sorry, grandchildren and grandsons and granddaughters are but there will be people like that, won't there? Um, even a month and a half from now who are tiptoeing out as opposed to sprinting out of their houses.
1: Yeah. And this is really where the rubber meets the road and 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 why, in part, I wrote this article, because we're getting to these sort of granular details about personal risk tolerance. We're in a completely different state and space than we were a year ago. So, you know, if you're getting together for Thanksgiving with everyone in your group who's been vaccinated, you know, you can feel pretty darn good, even if you're indoors, that, you're protected that said if you're more concerned or if you you know have an unvaccinated person in your group it makes sense to do a test pre-gathering if you have a person who's at particularly high risk even if they've been vaccinated maybe they aren't comfortable even with vaccinated grandkids who have maybe been socializing with their friends and could have a breakthrough infection that's not yet manifest so you know this is where the rubber meets the road as i said and this is where You know, again, we need to appreciate how far we've come from last Thanksgiving, but also understand that everyone has different risk tolerances and typically a need to gather and celebrate, you know, these milestones in our life. Because ultimately, what is health? It's about not getting COVID, but it's also about seeing our family, seeing our loved ones. So you know, it's important not to deprive yourself of these events, particularly after 19 months of, you know, suffering. But, you know, with rapid testing, if you want it, um, with being outside, if that makes you more comfortable, and certainly, of course, by being vaccinated, you are really doing everything you can to protect yourself.
0: All right. There's uh, Dr. Lucy McBride.